What if I told you that being in the right place at the right time was not a circumstance of luck? What if I told you it's a skill that you could learn and leverage to achieve your goals and dreams? This is the Right Place Right Now podcast with Travis Fields and Brandon Johnson. Spring is upon us, which means concert season is upon us. So what better way to open it with a guitarist who will melt your face? Maybe she's not that hardcore, but she is awesome on the thing. This week, we interview Angela Petrilli. Angela grew up in a very artistic and musical household, and by the age of nine, had her hands on a guitar and was already immersing herself in many different styles of music. By 13, she was an understudy for the renowned blues guitarist Little Jimmy Scott, and she was starting to hone her style and her flair as a musician. Angela founded her first band with LA singer-songwriter Jenny Pagliaro in 2013, The band's name was Roses and Cigarettes, and they released a few albums and had some early success. A self-titled debut in 2015, the Acoustic Sessions EP in 2018, followed by Echoes in Silence in 2019. Then tragically in 2019, Jenny lost her battle with breast cancer and Angela found herself without her best friend and without her band. During our conversation, Angela shares her experience, both the struggles and the triumphs as she navigated the grieving process of losing her friend, Jenny. Angela also has the best perspective on how to structure your life so that you can actually do the things that you love, which for her is to create music and play the hell out of that guitar. As the pandemic canceled live music across the country, she had to really redefine who she was as a musician and how she was going to stay in the game. Today, you can find Angela playing her favorite guitar riffs on all of her social media channels. She also has some YouTube channels that she is the host of, Petrelli Picks, on the Norman's Rare Guitars YouTube channel, as well as the live stream weekly YouTube channel called Riff Rundown, where she teaches interactive guitar lessons of her favorite songs and riffs. It's really awesome if you're into guitars or just learning. Check it out. Angela did start a new project in 2020, Angela Petrilli and the Players. They made their debut at the legendary Sunset Sound Studio in Hollywood, California. Angela and the band are currently writing new music and have an upcoming concert, actually April 22nd, just a few weeks away if you're listening to this right away. Billy Bob Thornton and the Boxmasters, she'll be opening for them. So if you're there, check it out. Live music's back. We're pumped for concert season. Here is Angela Petrilli. Angela, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How have you been? Brandon, Travis, it's been great. How are you guys? We are well. We're doing very well. Very well. We're excited to have you. We have had you on the schedule earlier and things got in the way. It got pushed a little bit, but we are thrilled to have a conversation with you. Get your background. We were actually connected through you or to you through the best PR executive on the planet, Jerry Milani. Yes, Jerry's Jerry's a dear friend. Back in my days when I used to work at Comic Con, we we worked together, and he's just salt of the earth, great people. So yeah, I didn't realize that was your connection with him. That is our connection. Yeah, I did PR with him um, when we would work at those shows together, and yeah, he was. Yeah, we we would work closely together at those shows. So yeah, he's he's good people. He's good people. Jerry's great. Yeah, and he raved about you. He actually said two things that I wanted to specifically call out. You're one of the best people 
and one of the best guitarists he's ever met. And he's met a lot of people. He's so sweet. He's so sweet. But I would say all of the, he doesn't play guitar, but I would say he's definitely like one of the nicest people I have ever met for sure. As far as, you know, as far as instruments, who knows? He might be a great kazoo player and I have no idea, but you know, time will <laughs> most, tell, most, most of us are. So. <laughs> Perfect. So, so tell us a little bit about you, you are, you play guitar professionally. You're a musician. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and we'll go from there. Yeah. I, uh, been playing guitar. Gosh, I picked up the instrument when I was nine years old and I just love it and have been playing professionally really gigging out regularly since I was about 16 years old so I just I just love it and living out here in LA I've got to do a lot of really cool things and play with a lot of great people and and be a part of a lot of really wonderful you know musical communities out here so it's 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 pretty cool I'm very thankful every day that I get to do this are you from LA originally I am born and raised yeah okay because my next question was like, why wouldn't you be in Nashville if you're going to move to a city, but you're home? Right. I'm born. Yeah. I have a bunch of, you know, I come from a big Italian family and everybody's here and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a one, you know, and also too, with the, the musical community here, like everyone is, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to have a great, great group of, of musicians. I'm, I'm really thankful to call friends too, not only as colleagues, so, so yeah, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful place. I mean, in a lot of ways, LA is the heartbeat of this music business, you know, so it is, um, it's good to be here. Yeah. How so? I, I'm intrigued by that. As far as, you know, you have your, the, the record companies are here. The, the musicians are here. Those regular touring guys, a lot, you know, a lot of them, I mean, there's a bunch in Austin and a bunch in Nashville as well, but yeah, there, there's lots of cool there's lots of cool stuff going on here. And, and again, just being from LA and, and doing what I do, it's, you know, and I loved, I, I play in Austin often. I'm there at least four times a year. Um, Nashville, I've been a few times as well. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a California girl pretty through and through. I love both of those places very much, but, but LA, LA is home. Nice. We won't hold that against you. <laughs> <laughs> Travis and I are both from Colorado. So there's this unspoken grudge about people from LA that goes back even before we were born. So it's not personal. He's totally, no, I, I I get it. I I hear that a lot. I think we always just say, just don't move here. Right. (laughs) It's funny. I, I, I I was, I was told from a friend, you know, and even myself, I've seen it in Austin too. It's like Californians, like, please don't move here, please. I get it. A lot of us are good, but you know, I guess there's some people who, who can be a little annoying. So. I get that. I get that. I love it. I love it. I love (laughs) LA. Love the people. So talk to us. You mentioned the community there and how big of a part of your world that was. Tell us about what that means to you and what do you get out of it? It's, it's a really beautiful thing for me. It's, you know, sure you can go and try and do this whole thing on your own you know, and not have anybody help and not get perspectives from other people. I'm sure you can do that, but I think it gets quite lonely. Um, it's really important to me to have a community again, cause you know, we're all, we all have our different strengths that we bring to the table and it's really, really important to, to uplift each other, really lift each other up. Cause you know, there are lots of, 
there are lots of peaks and valleys in this business, you know, and things can change and there's quite an ebb and flow with, with many, many facets of this business. Um, so it is really important to, to find your people. And, you know, I, th- through me, I mean, that, that happened, you know, by going to open mic nights and like starting there and going to jam nights and meeting people and finding, you know, these kindred spirits um, that, you know, you really connect obviously not on just that musical level, but on, you know, personal levels and, and, and styles and music, which we like and the, those sorts of things. It's, I think it's a really, really important thing to find those people, you know, who are going to be, you know, there to support you and, and, and celebrate with you when you, when you, you know, achieve these incredible milestones, you know, however big or small they are and, you know, finding those folks who are going to be in the trenches with you as well. So it's, it's, I'm thankful to, to have some really, really wonderful people. I mean, I, I, I was just at Norman's rare guitars yesterday. This, those people are like family to me, just all, all the crew, Norm and Lemo and Jen and Jack, the new, the new guy who's just totally awesome. Brandon and Sarah Rogo, just, they're, they're all in, you know, Nick too. It's just so many John. Oh my gosh, everybody. There's just so many wonderful people there. And yeah, they're like family to me. And it's, it's, you know, just finding people who are just going to really support you and truly support you with no strings attached. And it's like, we believe in you and let's support, you know? So, so with me, it's, it's really all about that because there's room on top for everybody and let's just lift each other up. I really don't believe in being, you know, really negative and very, what's the word I'm looking for here? Just there's, there's room to uplift. And I think it's so much easier being kind than trying to you know, trample on other folks to, to get to where you want to go. So yeah, it's, it's, it's important to me to have a really lovely community. My friends, Robert, John of the wreck they're, they're out in orange County. So just South of LA, they're absolutely wonderful. And just, gosh, I mean, I can name so, so many bands, but it's, 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 it's a pretty beautiful thing. And I'm very thankful for it every single day. I feel like being not in the music industry, there's a stereotype around it that says it's really cutthroat and that like so such a low percentage of people actually make it that you kind of have to claw your way to the top is is your situation with this giant community is that unique to the music industry or, or is the stereotype not right i mean i'm sure there are some facets of it that are incredibly cutthroat i'm sure i mean just with any business you're going to have the, those parts of it that are really cutthroat i know for me it's we just lift each other up and we support and, and celebrate all of our achievements. It's like, sure, could you be super jealous about, oh my gosh, so-and-so got this tour and I should have gotten that. But it's like, you know, I look at it from a perspective. It's like, okay, well, was that tour really meant for you? Was that really the thing you were meant to do at this time right now? You know, and it doesn't mean you're a bad musician. A lot of it's just timing. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Are you, you know, are you honing your craft? Those are the important things. And you know, for me, the community that I have, you know, and I, I really, I'm, I'm very selective of the people that I, I spend my time and my energy with and everyone in my circle. I mean, we're all just there to help each other. And it's just, I don't have time for negative vibes, man. It's just all about like, let's help each other and, and, you know, let's celebrate each other's successes and, you know, lift each other up when times are tough. That's such a wonderful message. And I'm intrigued also because you you even alluded to it a little bit. Like this is kind of a hard road to be on, right? Becoming a professional musician or just being a professional musician. But you seem to have a very strong mentality regarding all of it. 
no negative vibes. You want to stay positive. You're talking about the people around you, lifting everybody up. Is that something that you adapted to and learned over time? Is it always been innate in you? And uh, the second question is, how have you, you been able to maintain that instead of letting the industry that may be difficult crush it out of you? All right, I'm going to take that one. That was a big two questions. I'm going to try and answer that the best I can. For me- I'm Swinging at you. I, I think, no, I appreciate it. This is great. I- I don't, I, I don't like being competitive. I'm not a competitive, I'm competitive with myself in honing in on my craft and knowing like, these are the things I want to be better at as a player, as a musician, you know, as a person, whatever. I, I, I'm not even competitive. I wouldn't even say that. I don't even like using that word. So I take that back. I always try to be a better version of myself every day. So that's just how I like to live my life is just to be the best person I can. And some days I'm a little better at that than others. It's just part of this human experience, you know, but you, the, the, the practice of it, I think is, is what's important. And I, I'm not a competitive person. I always, I just really, really believe that there is room on top for everyone. And also too, I know one of you guys mentioned, you know, making it and success that is a different definition for everybody. Every musician has a different definition of what success is to them. Success may be, hey, I just want to play some shows at this bar down the street once a week with my friends and just have a great time. I'm not looking to get signed on a record deal. I'm not looking to tour. And that's your version of success. And when you achieve that, that is a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. And that's your version of success. Someone else, it might be, you know what? I want to tour. I want to get a manager. I want to do this. I want to do that. And that's their version of success. And that's wonderful. And you achieve those things. And that's so, so great. So, you know, the, the definition of success is different for everyone. And all of those successes deserve to be celebrated by a community of, of, of folks who really support you. I, I believe that, but I, I am all about support because again, it's, it's, you know, this, this business can be very challenging. It can be very tough. You know, I know through, through COVID, it was very, very hard. Gigs were gone. <laughs> Live gigs were gone. And I know a lot of my friends, like that's what they did. And that was only what they did was live performing and then gone for pretty much two years gone. Yeah. How did you manage that time? I was very, very fortunate. I've been teaching online for quite a few years and I'm very, very fortunate to have built up a, a strong and growing, again, very awesome, positive community on social media through Instagram and Facebook and, and YouTube and, and, and all of that. So when this rolled around, people reaching out, Hey, are you teaching still? And I didn't turn anyone away because one, it's like, Hey, what am I going to do? If I can help people learn how to play at home, how cool is that? These, you know, it's like, wow, this isn't, this is a time <laughs> things are a little weird and I'm going to be at home for a while. And gosh, I've always wanted to learn how to play ACDC. And I wonder if Angela Petrulli can teach me how to play, you know? So, so I, I, I didn't want to turn every, anyone away for an extended period of time during COVID, just because I know it was so awkward and strange for everybody. And we're all trying to navigate this in our own ways. So I'm like, geez, if I can help bring a little music and a little joy into people's lives through all of this, that's pretty awesome. 
so COVID aside, uh, I want to go back to the success piece for a little bit. You were saying that it's different for everybody. COVID brought its own definition of success, I think, for most of us. But that aside, how how have you determined and decided what success is for yourself? For me, I've I've always been a go getter. <laughs> I've always been a go getter. I love to work and I love to see things grow. And I I'm, I'm a big big believer in envisioning things, but also giving into the universe too. Like you can have these ideas of of what you want to achieve and what you want to see and you work hard and I leave that space to work hard and hustle and all of that. Cause I, I like to work. It feels good to do something and then to see something come from it. And then with the universe coming in, you know, you work hard and all of that. I like to plan, but I don't like to overplan because I like to leave that little bit of the, of wiggle room for the universe to be like, listen, I know you planned this and this and this, that's great but I have this and this and this planned and I know it's not in your list of things, but it could be very interesting and it could be very cool. And it was something you may not even have thought of that will lead to all these other amazing things. So I try not to overplan. <laughs> I try not to overplan. Obviously it's like, Angela, you need to pay your taxes by April 15th. Yes. I can't be like, all right, universe, you know what? I'm just not going to file taxes this year. And I hope that's cool. And I'm going to make wiggle room for like me to win the lotto. Like, come on, like, no. But um, yeah, in, in certain things, like if you had asked me three years ago, like Angela, what is one of the most frightening things you could think of doing in, in your line of work? And I would say be live on YouTube every week. <laughs> like that would have been the scariest thing to me. Being really? live, no edits and playing. Oh, hundred percent. Like live, no edits. But you're playing live on stage all the time in front of people. Right. But it's something about YouTube and just like the, it's on here forever kind of oh. thing. That's like <laughs> kind of scary. So I, 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 I've been working with Fisherman and this wonderful like pickup and amp company out of, uh, out of the Boston area. And they're just so they're incredible people. I love working with them. So I've been working with them with a few years with my, my previous band, Roses and Cigarettes, and they reached out to me, I, I don't know, maybe like five, six months into COVID. And they're like, hey, you know, we'd like you to do a live stream thing for, you know, partnering with us. And it was so frightening to me when I saw that email. I'm like, this is my worst nightmare. This is so scary. And then, but I, and that was the initial, like that fight or flight, like, oh, this is really scary. But then I stepped back from it and I'm like, is this that bit of wiggle room that I make from the universe going, Hey, listen, the, all this stuff, this other stuff is very cool, but look at this opportunity here. This may lead to really beautiful things that you may not have expected or may not have planned. You should look into this and you should do this no matter how frightening it is and talk about completely living outside of my comfort zone. Like that was it. And it was manifested there. So I really, I, I had to step back. I'm a big fan of meditation. I've been doing it every day for like over three years and it has literally changed the way I think about everything and the way I, I process life and move through it and my relationships with, with people and my relationships with myself and my work and my craft and all of that. And I, I made that time to be really quiet with myself and I'm like, all right, this is really, really scary and you need to do it. I, it's, and it's led to some beautiful things as of right now you know, I have 50,000 followers that I didn't have a year ago. Like how crazy is that? 
And I'm getting people sending me messages just saying, thank you for keeping me sane during COVID. <laughs> and it's like, thank you for helping me pick up my guitar. I haven't played in 30 years and your lessons have inspired me to play. And, you know, I had someone write me, my daughter's wedding is in a few months and, and you taught this one song that she loves and I'm going to play it for her at, our wet, at her wedding. I'm like, oh my God, like how wonderful is this? From a, it came from an idea and an opportunity that completely scared me. But I had to make that space to be quiet. And then the universe goes, hey, I know this is scary, but you need to do it. Yeah, that space that you're talking about, I, that's really, that's just called opportunity, right? And so you're creating room for opportunity to happen to you. Do you have a filtration system or a way that you assess opportunities when they come your way and decide which ones are worth it and which ones are like, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone for this, even though it's scary, but it's a good opportunity. Or do you have a way to filter those in your system? I love that question, Travis. That's such a great question. I love that. I listen to my gut. That's it. I listen to my gut and I, I leave a space to be quiet. Like there will be an opportunity. And this is something my mom taught me. And she, like, since I was a kid, this is how she goes. If you feel like, gosh, I was like seven or eight years old when she would start doing this with me. And she goes, here's a question or something that you need to make a decision on say yes to that decision and listen to your body and feel it. Look at that question, say no, and see how that feels in your body and listen to that. And whichever makes your body feel better is the right choice. And what percentage of the time are you wrong? Never, <laughs> never hundred percent. Never. Well, I think never. we just cracked really, the code. It's listening. And again, that works for me. That works for me. Um, but it's really making that space to be quiet. And I know our brains, like I read somewhere, and again, I don't know if this is true and anyone who knows the, the, the right number, please do let me know. The brain makes like 80,000 decisions in a day or like something crazy like that. Like a lot of decisions are made. It's something very crazy like that. And again, if, if someone has the right number, please let us know. But Turning off that brain, it's really, really hard because that's the brain's job is to be like, decisions, decisions, uh, don't, don't step over that cliff. You'll probably die, you know, or like, don't make that left turn right now. A little, a little old lady is pushing her grocery cart. Please don't hit her decisions. Um, so with listening to your gut, yeah, it's, it's a yes, no it's a yes, no thing physically. And I know for me that has really worked and, and it's making that time to be really quiet and turning off that, that brain the best you can. Cause of course it's job is to keep you safe and to make good decisions, to keep you alive. Um, but sometimes the brain can get too chattery and making that space to be quiet allows that, you know, that, thing that lives inside of you that, but that knows a lot more, you know, than, than we think to go, or at least that part of yourself that I think is really connected to the universe and is like, Hey, like, this is, this is maybe not a great decision or Hey, like, this is what you need to do. And I know it's really scary. Um, so making that time to be quiet, truly quiet. And it, it'll tell you what you need to know. I really believe that. And sometimes it's not the answer you want. Like the YouTube thing completely freaked me out. And my brain was like, this is too scary. Don't do it. But that voice was like, I know this is scary, but you got this. Do you have any instances where you had a decision that wasn't super obvious uh, using that method that maybe took you longer 
to decide or, or was a harder decision than most? And how did you handle that? Ooh. I mean, that's the most recent one I can think of was, was the, the opportunity to do the, the live streaming. I'd have to think on it. All right. I'd we'll come to back to that. It. Yeah. Let's come back to that. Yeah. Come back to that. Uh, actually, this may help give a little context. Travis is getting at something that I'm going to shamelessly give a, a teaser to. We're working on something in this space because we think whatever you're doing might be repeatable for other people in the sense that there's something in your core. We're going to call them values for now. Are these things that guide you with the universe? And if you can align your life, the decisions that you're making to that, it'll work out for you down the road, right? So we're trying to define where does that come from? How do you tap into that? If, if you weren't taught at the age of nine, what can somebody do to really understand that gut instinct and what that guiding voice in your gut, where does it come from? And can people find that? Can we explore that? To me, it's meditation. It's, it's meditation. It's meditation. hundred percent. It's, it's, it's like those answers are in you. You just need that space to be quiet. And it takes practice. Like some days, you know, I, I know I don't meditate as well as other days, you know, but it's accepting the day you're in. And listen, if you're at an 80% kind of day, you're just at an 80% kind of day and just accept that day that you're in. Yeah, I'm not feeling as like awesome as I usually do, but that's okay. Just function in the day that you're in practice, you know, and, and that's just the daily practice of being human, I think. So I would say it's, it's I'm just how wonderful it has been and has it, it, and that it has brought so much clarity to me. I don't sweat the small stuff anymore. I just don't. I just don't. It all starts with meditation. Listen, even if it's a minute and you sit in a chair and you close your eyes and you breathe for a minute, like a good deep breath, not the deep breath you get from your chest. I'm talking from your stomach, your diaphragm, like taking a really good deep breath in like the four, seven, eight breathing. I love you breathe in for four, you hold for seven, and you breathe out for eight. Like even just, even just trying that and just doing that. It's what? It's less than 30 seconds. And the breath too immediately brings down it, it, your nervous system, right? If you start to breathe properly, the nervous system, oh, okay. Okay. I can relax and focus on things. Cause think about this, this is a really stressful time right now for everybody. It's crazy. So making that space to just breathe and just start there, just breathe. And then, okay, you know, all right, I can meditate for five minutes, Let's try it. And I just breathe. Okay, cool. Just focus on the breath. What got you into meditation? What, what got me into it? Yeah. Cause you said you've only been doing it for three years, correct? Yeah. I mean, three years every day. Um, I had a teacher in, in high school, teach us how to do it. So really I've, I've known about it and have been, you know, practicing it here and there since high school. But I, I really wanted to make that commitment to myself to do it every day. And I'm like, gosh, I wonder, I wonder if this will really change things the way I hear people say it will. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And my goal was I'm going to do it every day for a year. And I stick with it. Like I use this app called Insight Timer and it's free. And, you know, and it keeps track of how often you do it. And I said, gosh, what really, really turned it for me was I can't give myself 10 minutes a day just for myself. Like putting it in that perspective, I was like, whoa, I can't give myself 10 minutes. Like I'm going to give myself at least 10 minutes a day to just breathe and just to be quiet. 
And I did. And then those 10 minutes turned into 15 and then that 15 turned into 20 and that 20 turned into 25. Now I can't always get that much time in every day, but I tried to, I tried to some days it's 10 minutes, you know, lately what I've been doing and I'm, 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 I'm horrible at yoga, but I love it. I'm horrible. I, I can't, I have like the stiffest, like hamstrings and calves since, since I was a kid, whatever stuff I do, it's just, I still can't like, I could, I just am able to touch my toes and it is like, please someone give me a trophy somewhere. But I've been adding, been really incorporating that physical movement into the meditation. And then really, you know, taking time after the practice to, to, you know, meditate. And that's been really cool too, adding that like little physical aspect into it. You know, I'm not going to say I'm going to be a, a crazy yogi, but man, is it fun to like to try, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, at the end of the day, I really think it's just like, start with your breath, start with your breath. That voice will be there. And it's just going to be like, and it never yells at you. That's another thing too, is that inner voice never yells. It's very polite. It never yells. It always whispers like the things you really need to do. It's just like, hi, you need to do this and this and this. And you know, you need to do it. Where do you think that conflict comes from? Because really what you're talking about is like your true inner voice versus the voice in your head that's always running. And there are a lot of times those are in conflict. Oh my gosh, of course. Because your brain is there to be like, please don't drive off that cliff. <laughs> you know, but that, that inner voice, that inner voice can, I, I think you can hear it most clearly when you're quiet. At least this is from my perspective. If I really need an answer, I listen physically. And I, again, like that question thing I, I spoke about a few moments ago, I make that time to listen and physically and like really stay in tune with my body. How is this decision making me feel physically? How is this yes making me feel physically? How is this no making me feel physically? It's a great tool. Do you have any other daily practices besides that? Like, do you journal or do you work out every day? Do you have anything else that you stick to every single day? I do exercise. I'd say like five days. The exercise is five days a week for sure. I don't exercise on the weekends because I'm usually incredibly swamped. Sometimes I can squeeze it in, uh, but I do like to exercise. I think physically moving and getting that blood flowing. And again, I think that's a form of meditation too, is being completely focused in doing like this, this one task, I do not like to have my cell phone around when I'm working out. Cause like, to me, I'm like, that is my time. And if it's super important people, you can text me, you can leave me an email or you can leave me a voicemail. I do not, I, I do. It, it's a massive distraction if I am working out and it does not come with me at all. So, so yeah, like that, it, it's another way to really take care of myself. I'm just a huge fan of like self care. Really. I love to work hard and I bust my ass, but like I make time to rest. It's important to me because I can't be my best if I don't rest and give myself that time. It's just, it doesn't work. Like how can you give what's in your cup? If your cup is empty, how can you give to others before you give to yourself? So I, I you know, I make sure to take care of myself. I like to eat healthy and I like to exercise and I like to talk to my friends and play a bunch of music that, that all of these things really feed me. And then, you know, you're, you're full and you're nourished and then you can help and nourish other people because you are nourished yourself. When did you learn the importance of that self-care? For me, really learn the importance of it, of self-care. I, um, I was in a band called Roses and Cigarettes from 
2013 to 2019. And my bandmate, Jenny Pagliaro, is just absolutely wonderful. It's like a sister and a bandmate and friend and all, all of that stuff. Um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer two months after we released our first album. And watching her journey and being a part of a part of her journey um, for, for those years before she died um, in 2019, just really saw the importance of like, you got to take care of yourself and, you know, the, the importance of life and how incredibly precious it is. So I, I, I know with me after, after she died, um, cause we were really close and we wrote music together and we toured together and we just, we did a lot of stuff together, you know, went to chemo with her, we to chemo a lot too. And, you know, it was, it was, it was a beautiful and yeah, it was a really beautiful part of my life. And I really learned a lot. And yeah, when she was gone, I I'm like, I got to get into grief therapy. I just, I have to like, it's something for myself. That was the first really big like self-care thing I did that, that then, you know, trickled into all of these other things too. But that was the big move that I know I needed because I was carrying the torch now and to honor someone who's gone I wanted to live my best life and carry her with me in another way. And I'm like, that's, that's what I need to do. I know for me, that was really important to me. I'm like, all right, you know, we did this music thing together. She may not be here physically, but I'm going to carry her in a new way and carry this torch and this, this dream that we started and I'm going to see it through. And I knew that the one way for me to do that, the way I wanted to, in the most respectful way and, and just the most nourishing way was to take care of myself and to take a step back. Like, Hey, this was really, really heavy. This is really heavy. And you're going to need some, like, I I'm like, I need help figuring this out. And what is life going to look like now? And how can I take care of myself? And, you know, cause this is a big thing. You know, we had done all these things together and then she's not here anymore. It was, it was hard. It was a really, really hard, hard time in my life. And looking back to that grief therapy was just such a gift to myself. I can't even begin. I could tear up like thinking about it now, like what a gift that was. Cause it allowed me to, to pick up the pieces. Cause you never get over something like that. You just don't, you're a different person after that. Like I even look at photos of myself from those times. I'm like, man, I'm just different now. I look the same, but I'm not the same though. And, uh, she's my life's greatest teacher and I miss her every day. And she just, she really taught me a lot. Yeah. But that was the first big thing was that grief therapy and picking up those pieces and just saying what's next. It's a beautiful story. Yeah. You're again, your, your mentality, your mental strength is amazing. I kind of want to go back to your childhood, getting into music. You said you picked up an instrument early nine yeah, I picked up the instrument at nine. My some of my earliest memories. I remember my mom playing. She plays a little bit too, and just looking at it and going like, "I can do that." And it was just something you know. Like I'm sure we all have those moments in life where there is you just know. You just know, and I I was watching her play, and I'm like, "I can do that." It was like breathing. That's really the only way I could describe it. And I like I I, I get asked this question a lot, and it was like breathing. I'm like, "I could do that," not even a doubt. Like I just knew it was just something so innate. 
could it have been that inner voice that I really tapped into? I don't know. I was a kid. I feel like you really tapped into that stuff as a kid, but I just knew. And yeah. And they saw that I liked music a lot. And I heard the song on the radio and I go to my mom like, Hey, I want to learn how to play this. And she goes, well, there's chords in it. It's where you put more than one finger and you play multiple strings at the same time. So I show you. So she did. And she's like, okay, put your fingers in the A minor chord. Put your fingers here like this. And this is a C. You got to move this third finger. You got to stretch it. It's kind of hard, you know, and she would show me. And here's an F chord. Everybody hates this chord. Here's how you do it. And yeah, it was my, I remember it was like early evening. She was showing me how to do this. And then it was the next morning. And I woke up my mom and dad. I go, mom, does it go like this? I started playing it. I'll never forget. She's like, oh, okay. This kid needs lessons now. What was the song? I think it's called put your lights on from that Santana album. Remember the one with smooth on it. It was the one with Everlast. It was that song. A Santana album. That's not just like, <laughs> no, but Santana wasn't playing. Like, no, it wasn't like, I want to learn how to like play black magic woman. It was cool. It was the chords of it. It's a really cool tune. So that was the song. That was the song. And yeah. And they're like, okay, time for lessons for this one. And yeah, they got me a guitar for Christmas. Uh, a couple months later, and I like have not put it down since. But on your journey, you've had to supplement your lifestyle with, we talked, you worked in PR for a little bit. Yes. Is that something that you have to do? You choose to do side gigs? How do you make this fit into your life with responsibilities as well? Right. So, so what happened there is I, you know, I was, I was playing all through high school and I went to UCLA and, and, you know, paid my way through college by teaching and doing gigs and sessions and all of that. And I still wasn't sure if it was going to be a career. I wasn't sure the inner, the inner voice knew, but I was too up in my, I, I was too in my brain to listen to it. I, I, I wasn't in a space where I was being quiet. So I um, graduated and I go, okay, I'm going to take a year off. And I'm going to try this music thing. And if it doesn't work out after a year, I'll just get a regular job, which is so stupid. Just so dumb. You're like, yeah, if it doesn't happen in a year, like it's so naive, like so, so young twenties, like mentality was so stupid. Like I just laugh about it now. Like, God, that was so dumb. Um, so I gave myself a year. Things don't work out. And I don't even know what working out meant then. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> so <laughs> stupid. So it's been, it was a year. I like tried to play, I got gigs here and there. It was all right. And I was let go from a band. There were too many band members and they had to let go of one. We were a band of seven. They needed a band of six to um, do this audition. And the band leader took me aside. We're still good friends. Like it's all good. There was no animosity ever. And he's like, I got to let you go. Just, there's just too many. So we got to let go of the lead guitar player. I'm like, no problem. So I'm driving home and I'm like, oh, I need a gig that is going to be consistent and near my house. I want to drive on a freeway for a little bit. I had all these like parameters, which again, were kind of stupid, but they, they were, you know, they were the parameters I wanted at the time. So I go on Craigslist and I saw a band that was playing in a genre I wasn't comfortable in. I'm like, cool, living outside of the comfort zone. Great. You know, they, I saw that their calendar was pretty widely booked. So I'm like, cool. All right. It's going to be, you know, we're going to be a little busy. And they were based, you know, near where I live, which is great amongst a couple other things. I forget what the other parameters were, but it doesn't matter. And I went on the website and I saw the lead singer and her name was Jenny Pagliaro. And I go, oh, 
well, she's Italian too. So if I can win over the lead singer, like I got this gig, I'm not even worried. So I, I reached out to the band leader, got the audition, ended up getting the gig. It was great. And yeah, that was within that year. So I'm like, okay, I'll have this on the side. It'll be something fun to do. This is just going to be a hobby. And, but I'll still play. I'll still play all of that. I'll still play. So went and got the job. That's where I met Jerry was at that job. And we worked together and yeah, worked at this Comic-Con job. It was great until it wasn't anymore. And I very particularly remember sitting at my desk and being like, okay, I'm making money. I'm traveling. I'm doing exactly what I studied in communications, which was like, you know, at UCLA, like, cool. I'm, I got a job right down the street from my house. It's not that far, but I'm not happy. I'm just not, I'm not happy. And I know if I didn't leave that I would never leave. And that was the point where, you know, Jenny and I had, had left that band to start something of our own, which ended up being roses and cigarettes. And I made that space to be quiet. Cause I could tell I was in a make or break point in my life. I was most definitely at a crossroads and I made that space to be quiet. And, you know, it was a very brief moment. <laughs> But that little voice was like, you know what you need to do. You just need to do it already. <laughs> so yeah, I took my parents aside. I go, listen, you're going to think I'm nuts, but I'm listening to my gut here. And this is what needs to happen. And I just need you to trust me. I know it's going to work. I just need you to trust me. You know, and that was however many years ago it was. What's, what's today? Or what's this? We're in 2022. I think that was 2014. I think that was 2014 or 2013. 2013, maybe. So yeah, it was like nine years ago. And, you know, it's, it was baby steps. Okay. Doing the thing with roses and cigarettes. And it's like, Oh, we got this kind of gig. Oh, we're playing at South by Southwest. We got this album out. Oh, we're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this, you know, and playing. And, you know, we were, we were handed some tough news. We dealt with it. And it was like, we're going to, we're going to do these gigs for as long as we can. And if you're not feeling good, we don't do a gig. And that's like the end of the conversation. It's fine. It's, you know, your health is more important than a gig. It's okay. And, you know, and we, we navigated it the best we could. And, you know, we had a really, we had a really great time and yeah, it was a really beautiful part of my life for sure. I, I look back on it and smile. It's tough. I still can't, I still can't listen to the songs. It's still really difficult for me, uh, but I'm really glad they exist. And it's pretty cool to have her voice be around and, and have that timestamp of everything we did together. It's, it's, it's a gift. And I, I am thankful for it, even though it's tough for me to listen to it's I'm thankful for it every day. My wife and I were listening to some of those before we got on here and she kept, she's like, I have chills because of the, her voice and your, your performance. So even through video moving beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. She was a special lady for sure. Life's greatest teacher. That's for sure. She has been. Yeah. One of the things you touched on in there was your, your list of what was important to you. I'm going to do, I want it to be this and I want it to be this. And then you caught yourself and said also stupid, but was it, or what did that do for you in the time of transition? Right. But was it stupid really? Cause these were very, very particular. Okay. It was four. So it was nearby genre. I'm not comfortable in paid gigs. God was the other one. 
didn't want to drive on a freeway. I think those were like the four. And yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot to ask, but somehow the universe is like, okay, bing, here you go. And when I saw that ad, I'm like, no kidding. This was everything I asked for. And I had come up with that, those bullet points on my way home, driving from, you know, the Valley, I had come up with those bullet points and to have the universe work that quickly. I mean, I went on Craigslist that day and I swear to God, when I saw that ad, I felt it in my bones. Like something in me goes, this is going to change your life. Answering this ad is going to change your life. I so distinctly remember that. I remember the way the room smelled. I remember like the color of the walls. I remember feeling that in my bones, this answering this ad is going to change your life. And I so, so believe it did. You have an incredible intuition. I I have to think, I have to thank my mom for that. She's, she's incredibly intuitive to a lot of the women in my family. We're just, we're just an intuitive group of ladies. Yeah. I'm thankful for, we talk about that a lot. I'm like, thank you for like teaching me that stuff. And I, I read a lot of books on it too. And it is just so damn interesting. You know, and I think a lot of people just kind of laugh at it. Oh my gosh, you're talking about a natural compass. We all have one and it's in there. You just need the space to be quiet. It's, it's in there. I was going to ask, do you think that intuition is accessible by everybody? I a hundred percent believe it is. Absolutely. It's and it all starts with your breath. It all starts with your breath. I really wholeheartedly believe that it starts with your breath. Let's take that intuition a step further. You can have it and you can know what you're supposed to do. But then there's another step to it, right? You have to actually take action on that intuition. So speak into that a little. How do you how do you take it from like, because I feel like even I've had those situations where I'm like, I know I should do this. And then somehow I taught myself out of it. How do you how do you go from the intuition of knowing like this is what I should do to actually doing it? It's also a practice because it is really scary. Sometimes your brain's like, I don't know about that. Like, are you sure? You sure about that? And then you start questioning it, right? That's the human side of us too, is that questioning it. Whereas this, this voice we're talking about is completely tapped in, is completely tapped in. It's like, listen, you can listen to me or not. I'm always going to be here, but it's a matter of you like making space to listen. Um, The action part is the scariest part because we know the answer. We know the answers. It's just a matter of like, okay, there it is. And now the human side of me needs to take action on this. This is scary. But it's that trust and that gut feeling and knowing that, okay, I know this is really scary, but I am going to trust in this because it just, it feels right. So I'm just going to trust. And, and I am not someone who believes in, you know, man, I really screwed up. That was a mistake. That is a word I am using less and less in my vocabulary these days. It's not a mistake. It's a learning opportunity. What is this here to teach me? When I come across a, an obstacle and something that is making me uncomfortable or something that is making me feel uneasy, I pause and I'm like, what is this here to show me? And what is this here to teach me? Where is the lesson in all of this? And how can I see this clearly? And a lot of times too, like if there's something I need to think about, I will make that space. I'm like, all right, like today, I'm just going to think on how this makes me feel. What would be the right move? What's the best way to approach this? What is this here to teach me? I ask myself this stuff. And in making that space, the, the answers will come to you. But yeah, it's the action of it is, is scary. And, you know, it's, it's, 
the scary part is trusting, you know, that voice is right. And it's just trusting it in like this physical sense, like, okay, I'm going to do this. Okay. And then you're in it and, you know, either say it doesn't work out, whatever this decision is. And you're like, God, I listened to my gut and it said it was right. Well, okay. This is a multi-layer thing now. You listen to your gut. Good. That got you to step one, but there's step two, three, four, five, ten. That's leading you to that. And yes, is this an obstacle now? You listen to your gut. That's good. That obstacle is supposed to be there. So now try this over. What is this here to teach you? In in your experience, are there any negative ramifications from always using that? Or do you always feel like it sets you up? It's yeah, it's always a learning opportunity. It's always a learning opportunity. Like, ah, okay. So I made this and this decision didn't work out. You have two choices. You can wallow in it be like, I'm such an idiot. And then what happens now you have the negative talk, which is not good for anything. I'm so stupid. That was a bad decision. Right. And then you start getting that way. And then now you're digging yourself in a hole or, okay, that was a bummer. I'm going to be mad about it for one day tomorrow. All right. I'm picking up the pieces. Let's figure this out. Cause there isn't just one road. There isn't just one road. Okay. So I made this decision. All right. This road dead end. Okay, cool. We're at a cul-de-sac. Maybe that's nicer. We're just at a cul-de-sac here. We won't call it a, you know, a dead end. Scary. Right. Okay. This is, this is the end of this particular part. All right. That didn't work out. All right. Let's turn around. Let's try something else. Do you think that practice gets easier with practice? Is it easier for you to make a decision and know that it's the right decision to actually take action on it now than it was 10 years ago, five years ago? You guys fans of Jason Isbell? Do you know who he is? I don't know. All right, go and listen to his music. He, I, I think he's one of the best songwriters around. He is a, an amazing guitar player, an amazing musician, incredible songwriter. He has a song called um, it, it Gets Easier. And, and the main the main line of it is it gets easier, but it never gets easy. We talk about that a lot. Like even when things are, they might be simple, but they're not easy. No, it gets easier, but it never gets easy. And I love that line of his. And I remember I went to see him in LA a couple of weeks ago and I'm just like, Oh, like it hits you. Like you hear the song, but then you hear it live and you're like, Ooh, I feel that. So that's, that's my answer to that. Is that Jason is bell line. It gets easier, but it never gets easy. Oh, that's a great answer. Cause that's, that's totally true. And sometimes it just feels like, is it ever going to get easy? Maybe it's not easier. <laughs> well, and, and if you're growing, right, if you're growing, then you're always putting yourself into bigger situations, which are going to feel hard again. Right. You know, and, and that's the thing too, because when you're getting too comfortable, are you really growing? Really? You're not, you're not. So those, those moments of, all right, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting my sea legs. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's an opportunity to, to learn and to, and to gain perspective. I mean, obviously we're not the same people we were 10 years ago. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> yeah. well, hopefully not anyway. You know, hopefully not. I would hope so. So it's, yeah, it gets easier, but it never gets easy. That is my answer. Mr. Great answer. Mr. Isbell. Thank you. Thank you, Jason Isbell. I love music's ability to tell us these, give us these wisdom and insights that we can't put into oh, regular language. Yeah. <laughs> he is, he is so great. Do yourself a favor after this and, and listen to like all of his songs. He's, he's, he's wonderful. Very insightful. Um, yeah, he's, he's great. I just love his stuff. Can we talk about your stuff? I don't think we've actually talked about your music. Sure. Yet. Okay. Like what, 
what what bucket genre would you say you put yourself in because you said roses and cigarettes was something you were uncomfortable with actually i will all right so roses and cigarettes i met her when i was in the country band the stuff we wrote was country ish the second album was very much not country we had really come into our own on that second album I wouldn't say that I was uncomfortable in it because, again, it felt like a very natural pairing between Jenny and I. Uh, it was very natural. But as far as like getting to that natural, like, oh, this thing with Jenny and I is going to be really great. I had to do the uncomfortable thing and play in that country band first. And then once I met her, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is this is special because it is very rare in life when you meet someone you really click with, especially on a creative level. And I knew that immediately, like the second I met her, I'm like, this is really special. And if I don't get this gig, I need to keep an eye on her because she has something very, very, very special. Um, and I'm glad we got to do it together. I'm really glad we got to, we got to do that together. But um, yeah, as far as the newer stuff, I think it's definitely in that blues rock-ish, but I got some stuff that's so not that at all. Um, like I've got I I've got an, um, an instrumental that is very much the way I've been describing it is ZZ top meets the band meets gosh. All right. ZZ top meets the band meets little feet. It's wacky and it's all these things together. And it's something I, you know, as far as roasted cigarettes, it may have been completely out there. Um, but but yeah, I don't try to edit the songs that are being written now. My, my goal is, is to get some original music out by the end of 2022. We shall see. That is my personal goal, but you know, th things take time. So, so who knows, but that, that is my goal. Um, but I don't like to rush things. I don't like to edit. If there is an idea, that's a good idea. A good idea is a good idea is a good idea. So I don't try and be like, oh, I need to make this song three minutes long and this needs to have, have this in the song and this needs to do this and popular songs have this and this and this. Like, I don't like to do that. If I like it and it's, it's workable and you're like, oh yeah, okay, this is grooving. All right, I like this and this and this. I don't like to edit too, too much. At least that initial idea, you know, obviously lyrics and the way it flow and, and, and how things are pronounced and solos and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's what best serves the song. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say there's, you know, this touch of blues, I like kind of classic rock, little bit of spice. But then, you know, I wrote a song that was very much Americana too. And I'm going to bring that to my producer this weekend so we can kind of chip away at it because it's very different from the others that I've sent him. So um, yeah, it's an interesting process. I try to really let it flow. And, you know, just, you know, and also too, I have to remind myself, this is a Dave Grohl quote, but it's like, not every song is going to be imagined. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that yeah, was in his book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like not every song is going to be imagined. Yeah, I was listening to one on Stern a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about that. Uh, how he was talking with Nate, the bass player, and he's like, "Listen, man, like not every song is imagined." So when you put that in there, you're like, "Okay, I don't need to write a masterpiece every time I write a song." <laughs> yeah, it takes the pressure off a little bit. It's nice. So I have a couple of clarifying questions just to get an idea of where you are now. Are you in a band right now? Do you do solo stuff? And are do you write all your own music or do you have a team that writes for you? So I like to write all my own stuff. I always like, I, I go to my producer, Michael Lyons, who is just the coolest dude ever. And he worked with us on Roses and Cigarettes too. So I met him through Jenny because they, they had been friends for a very long time too. 
and he will, you know, he doesn't like to tweak too much. He's a good, he has a good ear for hooks and stuff like that. But he, you know, he'll help me arrange, but he's like, he likes to give me, you know, and especially us when, when Jenny and I were working with him too, he really liked to give us a challenge. He's like, think about this, this, and this, and come back to me, you know? So I like to write stuff and, and it's also a beautiful challenge too, because Jenny and I would always write together. So doing things on my own is a completely another very scary new territory and singing lead is a very new territory for me. I'm still getting used to it. I'll always consider myself a guitar player first, but the singing lead thing is still a little, it's, it's, I'm getting used to it. I'm getting used to it. Um, but yeah, I have a band called Angela Petrilli and the players, and we'll be opening up for Billy Bob Thornton and the box masters, um, on April 22nd, 2022 at the mint in Los Angeles, really awesome, awesome club. But yeah, it's been, it's the players is, is a different band than what Roses and Cigarettes was. But the way that I look at it is, I think it's the most beautiful way to honor her is to do something new and carry her in that instead of trying to repeat something that I think could never be repeated is to carry her in a new way and carry her spirit in this new band in a new way. And I think, I think that honors those who, who aren't here anymore physically. Yeah. So you guys had kind of a process when it was the two of you, you guys wrote together. And so do you, now that you're writing most of your own stuff, do you have a, an approach to how you write? Like, is it, is it uh, purely inspiration or do you have a process by which you, you kind of go by? What I have been doing which has been really, really fun, very different from what we did with Roses and Cigarettes. So I'm writing from different perspectives, not writing from my own. I'm writing from perspectives of other people and the other things that they have gone through. I found that that has been a really cool practice and has led to some very interesting tunes, one of which I'm going to debut with the Mint um, in April. Can you give us an example of that? Like, what do you mean from the perspective of somebody else? Like talking, to, let's say, for example, like talking to a friend of mine, oh my God, like, this and this happened to me and it made me feel like this and it made me feel like this and oh my gosh. So I would write a song or at least some lyrics from that perspective because it may not be something that happened to me, but it happened to someone I really care about. I'm like, gosh, I wonder what that would feel like. So I'd write about it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of my favorite songwriters do that as they write from a perspective. Um, like Ray LaMontagne, for example, he's, he's one of my favorite songwriters. His song, Roses and Cigarettes is what inspired the name of our band. Um, he, he does, he has mentioned that he is, he does that from time to time or right from the perspective of someone else and not his own perspective. Um, so that's been a cool challenge. That's something I've never tried to do before. And I'm like, God, I kind of like this it's really neat. You know, it's not to say that won't change, you know, I think getting different, tapping into different ways of doing things can be very cool and can lead to some very, very cool results. Who are some of your other influences for that? Um, as far as writing from different perspectives or just in general, just in general. Oh my gosh. I mean, Ray LaMontagne is one of my favorite songwriters ever. I absolutely, I mean, Jason Isbell is up there for me too. Big time, big time. Cheryl Crow, huge fan of her songwriting. I love Fleetwood Mac. I love Stevie Nicks. Oh, they're, they're big for me. Uh, also, you know, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. Love those guys. Clearly I like Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, like it's, uh, I'm, I'm all about it. That's my wife. Yeah, I'm a. We're big... going to Germany in June to see Pearl Jam. Oh, 
<laughs> I have two tickets to see them here in LA for both nights. So whenever they want to reschedule that, I'm ready. Right. <laughs> um, I love, I love Eddie's use of melody. I think Better Man is one of the coolest melodies. And chord structures. Oh, it's so good. It's beautifully simple, but man, it's got to tell a story. I mean, that's a song about perspective. Think about that. He writes, he writes from a woman's perspective quite a bit. Think of daughter. Think of that song, Better Man. You know, so a, a lot of my, yeah, a lot of my favorite songwriters do that. I mean, that's off the top of my head. If we're talking guitar players, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, you know, Derek Trucks, one of my favorites. Mike McCready, Mike McCready for sure is one of my favorite guitar players as well. Yeah. This is one of those universal moments. My wife never sits and looks at my guest today, 30 minutes before she's watching your videos. She wrote questions that she wanted me to ah! ask you. All and right. It let's came, do it. You drop Pearl Jam. No, like you're already answering them. It's just like a weird serendipitous. This was meant to happen. I love it. I love it. Thanks, Jerry Milani. <laughs> so what does it take to be able to empathize with another perspective like that, that you don't understand to the point where you can write a whole song, like from that perspective? I think that is an incredible amount of empathy. Oof, I got to like soak that in a minute. Like it's, it's something you don't understand. Like it's some, somebody else's perspective. You don't even necessarily understand that. So to be able to take your mind and your lyricism into somebody else's proverbial brain and like make magic from it. That, that seems impossible to me. Uh, obviously it's not, but like, that's incredible to me. I, how can I answer this? I, um, I love talking to people. That was one of the reasons why I really studied what I studied in college. I find people and communicating and interpersonal communications, very fascinating. Um, because everybody has their own stuff, you know, we all have our own story. So I, stories are really, they always, people's stories and their backgrounds and how they become the people they become, I find really, really interesting. I always have, even as a kid, I always found that really interesting. So my, my grandfather died in 2015 and it was really important to me. He grew up in Italy during World War II. He had these stories and I, I, my brother and I filmed him asking him questions for about an hour and a half talking to him. Hey, do you remember when your part of Italy was bombed? Can you talk about that? And can you talk about when you were a kid and when you looked out the window, what did, what did it look like outside? Like stuff like this to get him talking and to get him to tell stories was always really, really interesting to me. So I guess that kind of soaks in into the start into the songwriting too. I know after losing someone really close to me and, and Jenny, you know, again, as I mentioned a few moments ago, like you're just never the same. And I mean, I guess that empathy grows and that compassion grows um, just from experiencing life through your eyes, I think then through these things that have happened to you, I think allow you to tap into other people's stories a little bit easier. That's a, <laughs> that's the best way I can your, answer your question today. Ask me in six months might be different, but that's the best way I can answer e it today. Easier, but not easy, huh? Yeah. Easier, but not easy. I think that's great. And I think that story is important, 
that's why we did this. We love hearing people's stories and why they do the things they do. So how does that translate into your music for yourself? Or are you kind of removing that and only working from the perspectives of other people currently? I let it, I let it flow. So if there's an idea that I'm like, oh yeah, that was definitely a story of mine. Then cool. I just let it flow. Yeah. I wouldn't say that I'm only doing that now. I let it flow. The ideas come through again, going back to that. I don't really like to edit too much. Those initial ideas because they floated into your brain for a reason. So they're worth exploring. Yeah, that would be my answer to that. Yeah, so I, I, I try not to inhibit things too much. Do you think using music to explore your own story? I, th- I think that's one of the things that we want to teach with this is the value of exploring your own story and having some sort of method to do that. Yours would be music. What do you think the value is of that? And if somebody's not doing that, should they be in some capacity? I think just even on the most basic level, like it's just cool to get something and then press something and make a sound out of it. Like, I think that is still like innately as humans is just a cool thing. Like think about a drum, like you hit it and you can't tell me like everybody gets a little excited when they hit a drum, boom, and then you feel it, right? You feel it in the room, you hear it reverberating, you feel it in your chest, like you feel things move, like it's so cool. Um, there's something I think just so innately human about just the creative process in general. We are creative beings. For me, it's music. I also really love to cook. That's creative. I love that. I love to cook. And I think it's a beautiful way to express love too, is to cook, to write a song. Um, I also love to paint and draw and all that. Um, I wish I had more time to do it, but I love it we're all innately creative. And I think it's important for us to find what that thing is that gets us really excited to like take a breath and to live. What is that thing that gets you really excited? I'm glad I, I I found it early, you know, but it's just, I think it's all about following the curiosities. Like, Oh, I'm really interested in this. Let me see. And let me explore it you know, following the curiosities. And then those will lead to the thing that maybe makes you really, really excited or not. And that's okay too. But like following those curiosities, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's a wonderful part of life and a part of the journey to, to explore those things that get you excited. How do you capture your ideas when they come to you? Is it spur of the moment or is it like, cause I think some people I like, and I know me sometimes like I'll have an idea and then it'll be a fleeting thought and then gone. And like, maybe that was a good idea that I could do something with, but I don't have a practice to capture that idea. Do you have a practice? My phone. (laughs) Your phone. (laughs) I'll put the ideas on my phone. Well, I got no excuses now. Yeah, I do. Like that, that's, you know, cause I've got a whole little studio right here. Clearly I got the fancy microphone here. That's not really that fancy, but it's kind of, it looks cool. Um, and I have, you know, I got, I got stuff like if I really wanted to record something cool, I could in here. But I know for me, if because it's like catching fireflies, those ideas in a lot of ways. If I come up with something cool, I'm like, grab my phone, play it. Da, 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 good. All right. It's recorded somewhere and it's there. And if I want to revisit it, I can. A lot of times, like, I'll come up with ideas all the time. And then, you know, I'll kind of forget about one and then I'll go through it. Like every, like every week or so I'll go through it. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Okay. And I'll see what excites me. I'll listen to it. And if something really excites me right away, that's what I chase. And that's what I'll do. And I'll be like, Ooh, okay. That inspired some lyrics. That's kind of cool. Or Ooh, that inspired this lick, that little thing that I just did there. Cool. 
and I'll explore it from there. Again, I try not to force because then it just feels forced. So I just go by, all right, that's getting me a little excited. Let's explore it. And then I'll, I'll run with that until the gas goes out. Cause I'm not going to try and force it after the gas is gone. Like I was working on a song you know, a couple of weeks ago and I could clearly tell that the gas was out. I'm like, if you continue on this, this is going to sound really contrived. So how about you just stop, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah. And then it's like, I got, I always know when to stop. And when that was like, all right, this is all here now. This was the next level. Then you come back to it and it'll, you know, it'll be there for you to continue on. But again, that's my process. Yeah. I'm intrigued with that because if you're just not forcing it at some point, you still have to be intentional with finishing it and deciding this is done or pushing it to that point. How do you walk that line? If you're just kind of like, when it feels like this isn't what you said, but whimsically things are coming to you and you're piecing them together. And then songs are just magically falling together over time. Right. It's uh again, it goes back to the gut feeling. It's like, okay. Like, especially in like production, which all of the ideas for songs I have so far, I'm playing them out right now. There's nothing released that you can actually listen to at the moment, but I like testing songs out in a live audience to see how they breathe in that perspective. That's the personal, that's the interpersonal communication, like nonverbal communicator in me. I like to, and it's not that I'm getting approved, not that I'm seeking approval. I'm not. I just want to see how this is making people feel. Cause that energy at a live show, which is something I so, so missed during COVID it's neat to see how a song can make people dance or make people just really pause and listen or have people just stare at you like, oh my God, that solo is so cool or whatever. Or, oh my God, that keyboard player is playing insane or that bass player is so cool, whatever it is. But you feel in your gut when it's when it's done in that production part. Because, I mean, you can sit with a song for a gazillion years. I mean, what, Chinese democracy, like Guns N' Roses? <laughs> like how long was that out, you know, in, in you know production until they finally released it? Um it tells you when it's done. A friend of mine, I forget who quoted it. So if someone knows the person who, who said this, please, please let me know. But uh, a song doesn't get released. It gets, it escapes. Cause you could sit on work, you know, you could sit and work something forever. I think the song Hallelujah by, by Leonard Cohen, like he was sitting on that for like years, years, you know? So it's just like being aware, like, okay, this song's done. It's intriguing to me. I feel like that would be hard to navigate, but it's, you're into it's tough. It's tough. Cause there are some things you're like, oh, and this always happens to <laughs> Lisa does for me where sometimes I'll listen back to things. I'm like, oh, I should have played this and this and this. That would have been better. But then, you know, that's where that, that part of the brain can be like, oh, you could have done this better. But then there's the other part. It's like, listen, that was a timestamp. That's where you were as a player, a songwriter then. So now you learn from that. So the next time you record something, you'll know like, all right, when something like this comes up, like try this kind of idea on top of it. You keep referencing where you are now in these growth moments. Are you growing towards something specific at the end of this career? Are you looking for the big tour? And what does that definition of success look like for you down the road? For me, I mean, just in a really basic way, like just the most basic, basic, success. It's just being able to, to live a good life and, you know, go ahead and being, being able to travel and see the world and have some cool, you know, vacations or 
whatever and being able to pay my bills. Like that's just a very basic, like what success is to me. Like I get to do this really wonderful thing for a living and I get to pay my bills and, you know, pay for medical insurance and pay for my car and, and, and have some cool vacations from time to time. That's just the very foundational. I mean, yeah, would I love to tour? Hell yes. Do I have, you know, my, my vision board of the things that I want to do? You better believe I do. You know, people I want to meet, people I want to play with. Hell yes. I want, I am going to play with Pearl Jam one day. Like I know it's going to happen again. I am at point A and I know that that is point B. Oh, I'm going to get there. I don't know, but I know I will, you know, and that's how I, and that's how I have to look at things. Like I know these things are going to happen and I am going to bust my ass and work really hard on the day-to-day thing and take things a step at a time. Cause if you look at the mountain, you're like, that's really high. But if you take it a step at a time and then every once in a while you look back and you're like, wow, like I, oh, I've covered some ground. This is pretty cool. So I take things a day at a time, little baby steps, these mini goals, right. That I have for myself and you accomplish those, but yeah, recording, you know, new original music. Yes. These are things I want to do. But I also, again, back to what I said a moment ago, leaving space for where the universe is like, hey, you didn't have this on your list, but I'm adding it in for you because I think you'll get a kick out of it. Well, you mentioned you're playing uh, with Billy Bob Thornton in April. What's the rest of 2022 look like for you? You know, for for me, it's, it's getting these songs ready. It's playing out and, you know, playing out to some people who, maybe have not seen me yet and just really just having fun and seeing what this new phase feels like. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what 2020 looks like getting these songs honed in and just playing live. Cause man, we are, we are a little behind on that and, and I missed it so much. So it's going to be good to be back. Do you have some travel planned for 2022? Are you going to be hitting some cities along the way? I do. Yes, I'll be I'll be hitting Austin in May, uh, May fourteenth to be exact. Um, can't announce the venue yet, but it'll be a cool one. Uh, so yeah, doing that in May, and yeah, there's some cool stuff planned. That's about all I can say right now. Yeah, so, so yeah. looking forward to it. All right, I think for the sake of time, unless Travis you have any other burning questions, that's a great place to wrap up. Yeah, no, I'm good. Angela, this is fantastic. Thank you for sharing everything with us and telling your story and your wisdom. You're so wise beyond your years. Thank you. Oh gosh. I just, I, I, I'm living life, you know, I'm always a student and that is something I say all the time. I am still learning. I, I never like to say, I know all the answers. I'm like, listen, like this worked for me and here's what I learned from it. And yeah, but I'm like constantly a student and it has been such a joy chatting with you guys, seriously. It's been really, really great.